Evolution Network Horror Episode A583 coming your way. Today we're going to talk about steroid kickstarters. Are you doing it right? So this one is going to be a fun one. Mobster and I are kind of debate this back and forth a little bit. I'm more pro kickstart. Mobster is more anti-kickstart. So this is a really good one. It's uh, like watching uh, ESPN and watching a sports show and the two guys debate uh, a topic back and forth. Um, nobody wants to see people just agree with each other on every podcast. That's boring. So Mobster and I, we're going to kind of make points on either way, show you the advantages and disadvantages of kickstarting. So first off, we got to define what kickstarting. So let me define it in my own words, and then I'll let Mobster define it in his own words. So the way I look at it, and I'll say if Mobster agrees with this, is when you kickstart with a steroid, you're kickstarting with either A, an oral steroid, because oral steroids obviously have shorter half-lives. They have shorter active lives. They're in your system a lot less. So let me let me give you guys a rough sketch of how long these anabolic steroids are going to be in your system. So if you take that half-life of these drugs, which is going to vary. Pharmaceutical companies, when they put out these drugs, when they put out these esters, they mark them. And if you read the pamphlets, they'll actually put on there the half-life. So it varies, okay? And that's the way it works in science. So some pamphlets for D-Ball when it first came out, uh, or some pamphlets when when um, enanthate first came out, or sipinate, or ace acetate, all these different esters that are out there, decanate ester, Propanate ester, they all have different half-lives listed. So you Google the half-life, you might come up, like if you Google testosterone sipping a half-life, some places may say it's eight-day half-life. Some may say 10. Some may say 11. Some may say 12. You know, decade half-life. I've seen 15 days, 16 days. So really, we can take a rough estimate of the average of those, and we can make a rough detail of how long these steroid esters are going to be in your system or these orals are going to be in your system based on the half-life. So let's say with D-Bowl, the half-life is four hours, okay? Which I've seen it being as low as four hours. That means it's going to be in your system five times that amount until it's really reduced to a low level. So with D-Bowl, we're talking about 20 hours. You take a D-ball at 7 a.m., it's going to be in your system for the next 20 hours. So it'll be mostly all out of your system where it's not doing anything. By the time you take your next dose, it's 24 hours later. That's why we say with D-ball, a lot of people say, well, you should run it twice a day, which I agree with because the half-life is really, really short. But if you take a, a steroid, oral steroid with a half-life of eight hours, and you run it once a day, you're going to be perfectly fine. Because remember, you're taking the eight, multiplying it by five. So now you're getting you're getting a long enough hours where you can take it once a day, once every 24 hours, and it'll still be in your system at good amounts. So that's how we kind of talk about esters. Same thing with injectables. You inject testosterone sipping. Let's say it's a 10 hour, 10 day half life. It's going to be in your system 50 days. So you don't have to inject testosterone sipinate every day or every other day or three times a week um, or even twice a week. You can inject it once a week. That's why people who are on long-term TRT, they inject testosterone sipinate once a week. 
Sometimes they even inject it once every two weeks. And that would work because it's in your system for 50 days. So it would not be that big a deal if you just injected it once every two weeks. So we, you know, or like an oral kickstart would be an option because of the short half-life. But also you could do an injectable kickstart because an injectable kickstart is something like propanate or acetate. Acetate's a three-day half-life. So it's going to be peaking in your system after 15 days. So the five days is not only the last injection when it's out of your system, but it's also the la the, the first injection when does it reach peak levels. So with testosterone sipinate, if it's a 10-day half-life, it's going to reach peak levels if you're injecting it on a proper schedule after 50 days. With acetate, let's say trembolone acetate, you want to kickstart with trembolone acetate, it's got a three-day half-life. It's going to take 15 days to reach peaks, peak levels. And then your last injection, it's going to take about 15 days to be out of your system. So if you wanted to kickstart, what would you pick? Would you pick trembolone enanthate or trembolone acetate? Obviously, you're going to go with trembolone acetate because it's a three-day half-life. The trembolone enanthate is about a 10, 11, 12-day half-life, depending on which literature you take a look at. So you, it's no point in kickstarting with enanthate. So what people will do sometimes, I can use the propanate example. Propanate has a short half-life where it's going to be peaking your system within a couple weeks. You could do the propanate, and then you could stack enanthate with it. And then the enanthate, the testosterone enanthate will take 50 days to peak, but the testosterone propanate would take only two weeks to peak. So it'll be in your system quicker. Or you can use an oral to kickstart, which takes me, mobster, before you bring you, I know you're itching to get in, but let me just make this point. <clears throat> Sustanon, Omnidron, Omnidrin, other blends that are out there, other testosterone blends, they designed these to contain short esters, intermediate esters, medium esters, and long esters. So when you inject them, the shorter esters are going to peak in your system quicker than the longer esters. So they're going to basically pick up after one another. So in itself, Sustanon and Omnidrin, which are prescribed for TRT users in Europe, are going to be like kickstarting because you're using the testosterone propanate, which is within those those testosterone blends to kickstart. So pharmaceutical companies design sustenance for that reason. And doctors are prescribing it for a reason because they want it to be able to hit your system quicker and still give you the benefits long-term. So that's basically the first point I'm going to make, Mobster. You're against kickstarting, but my, my first point is why did pharmaceutical companies come up with Sustanon and Omnidrin and these testosterone blends that contain both long and short esters if there's no point in kickstarting? So that'd be my first point to you. Go ahead. Oh, because pharmaceutical companies didn't do it for kickstarting purposes, did they, Steve? You know well as I do that uh, pharmaceutical companies, with possibly one or two exceptions, pretty much designed their steroids for medical reasons. And therefore, they wanted to make sure that the person that they were treating was getting treated as quickly as possible and was continued to be treated for the whole length of the time that they had them on that particular medication. Certainly wasn't for performance enhancement purposes, right? So as we've addressed in other podcasts that we've done, Steve, I talk about the average Joe. That's the typical listener to this podcast is almost certainly not a competitive athlete. There will be a small percentage, 
let's say five to ten percent. Ten percent is generous. It could be less than five. That means ninety percent of our listeners are Joes that want to get into shape or want to get strong. They want to get more muscular, etc., etc., etc. So therefore, the issue of the Kickstarter comes down to a choice. Now, as we know, and we still occasionally see this on the forums, you occasionally see someone say something like, "My source can only get X," or "My source can only get Y." And we've addressed this. There is literally no need to use a source that only has two or three products. And one of those products that you might want to use as part of your stack might be a long-acting ester, something that takes a while to build up, reach peak levels in your system, and give you the effects that you're looking for, that strength, that muscle, and so on. Right. So we quite often say stuff like, well, then use an approved source. Because the approved sources have pretty much everything you're ever going to need. There will be multiples of steroids. And as often as not, Steve, as you well know, there's multiple choices of esters from, as you said, an ace to propionate to, to, to whatever, a cipionate. And that's just like, for example, in trend. And so then you go, right, well, then it might come down to a frequency of pinning. I don't want to pin that much. I hate pinning. So if I can only pin, for example, with a cipionate, uh, Testipulate once a week, that would be awesome, especially when we're talking about CRT. Twice a week, maximum, if you're using it for PED purposes. You get it. But as you said, with the CPNA, it's going to take a long time to build up in your system. So I argue, well, that came down to your choice. You could, for example, use a short acting ester to begin with, and at the same time, take a longer acting ester, and then whenever in a week or two, you're golden. You're literally not going to need it for the rest of the time. There's also an argument, and I've seen this addressed before. I don't think it's necessarily going to be addressed by us in terms of our back and forth, but I've certainly seen this on the forums where part of the reasoning behind a Kickstarter is, and I quote, how they feel. And I've argued this, how you feel doesn't matter. It really doesn't. It might matter to you if you are, for want of a better phrase, a low-T kind of person, and the idea that you feel on, and therefore, quote-unquote, like an alpha, is important to you, but the reality should be the end game, the reason why you're doing the cycle in the first place, and that, again, would be strength or muscle or losing body fat. How you feel really isn't that important. Now, if you feel stupidly toxic because you're using trend for the first time and you've overdone the dose i get there i've been there uh, i know how that feels and i understand it therefore and, and again we've addressed this with trend we say you want to if you've never used trend before use a short or acting version just because if you really really fucking hate it it's not going to be in your system that long but for the most part it comes down to the choice that that particular person the member on the forums whatever made and as i said you have to understand why they've made that choice because there are other options. They don't literally need to. And again, how you feel, I like to feel like I'm on the gear straight away, is a silly reason, in my opinion, for doing it. It shouldn't be about how you feel. Now, that is important, again, to a small percentage. But for the rest of you, the end result, the absolute muscle that you had, how strong you got or how ripped you are, should be the most important reason for you doing the cycle in the first place. Literally, that dysmorphic, I need to look a certain particular way, not how you feel. So, I mean, and of course, <laughs> there's a million recreational drugs that can change how you feel about the world and whatever else, Steve. So that's the particular thing right there. The Kickstarter thing, again, it, it can seem 
this is why we have the forums and we've told you to come on the forums and run a log. It can seem complicated. But in simple terms, as Steve's already said, ACE, PROP, CPNA. It's pretty much, you know, like Steve said, with the Sustan or mixed investors, it's pretty much short-acting, medium-acting, long-acting. Now, arguably, that comes down to opinion. Now, I will say that if you are competitive, I can see a reason. And as an example, Steve, and, and this is another part of the thing that I have against kickstarting. If the choice is an issue, you've got the approved sources, like I've already said. The, the, I mean, we've seen this occasionally. Someone's about to go on a vacation or holiday, uh, but it's not something that they were prepared for. So now they've only got eight weeks or six weeks or whatever else. And so their choices become limited. They have to, if they want to get in the shape, and you want to use PDs to get in the shape, they have no choice, arguably, to do the thing that they're about to do. They have to do this thing with a Kickstarter. They have to do it with a finisher and so on. And if it's a competition stack, there's an argument to be made. But again, competition, you typically plan it. But what, for example, if you competed, uh, but you didn't qualify, and there's a competition in three months' time, now you've got a reason, again, the shortest amount of time off that you can possibly do. You've only got eight to ten weeks that you can do the competition stack for the next competition with a chance to qualify for a pro card for the next for the nationals, whatever. And therefore, your options are limited in terms of time. And I get that. Again, our average listener is literally someone that wants to look good in the mirror for the ladies, for themselves at the beach, and so on and so forth. So it literally comes down to the choices of how often do I pin and the choices of availability. And okay, we have, and I've said this on another show, Steve, more opportunities now when it comes to PDs than we've ever had. More choice of brands from just literally one source, more choice of esters from pretty much every source that you and I can talk about. And certainly, uh, and again, literally just availability of specific steroids in various esters. So guys, if, if I see on the forum say, oh, I've got, this is my plan, and what Kickstarter should I use? You go, okay, why do you need a Kickstarter? The other thing that I ask on the forum sometimes, Steve, is, and I've yet to see a single, and I mean this outside of competitions again, I've yet to see a single reply to the question, and I say, show me the difference that you use in a Kickstarter made to the end of your cycle. No one can do it, no one. Uh, I would argue, again, for example, um, and I've used orals and I've used injectables, but my, I, I'm, I'm, I would say I'm pretty much the kind of person that plans, and as the end game, the end result is nearly always, as you know, because you've seen me run these uh, blogs, for, for uh, cut stack, for a bulk, for training, for competition, for a challenge, I nearly always hit the number or, 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 or achieve a result in that particular way. And, of course, it's a combination of circumstances and, and parameters, including PEDs. So for me, again, it's like, guys, can you say that using a Kickstarter made you 2% better? Did you add more weight to the bar for a strength competition because you used a Kickstarter? Was you 1% leaner? Did you lose £5 instead of £3 and so on? And I have not seen a single answer. And that's because, again, we're talking to the average Joe. So the question then becomes is, why did you make those choices, of Esther's? And does kickstarting change the outcome? And for most people, it came down to availability, which is not an excuse anymore. Or no, I can't prove that it made a difference. The same for those 
that might be finishes. Now, if you're a model, if you're competing, if someone's renewed your contract and so on and so forth, and opportunities present themselves in a certain way, you might be restricted. If, I'd actually say, Steve, there's probably more of a chance of someone saying, I look like this three weeks before the end of the cycle and I use the finisher and I look like this three weeks later. Then I can say that someone could prove to me that a Kickstarter benefited them other than how they felt on cycle. What do you think on that? So let me just go back to the, uh, you know, the sustenance on point. Let's say, you know, you want to run a cycle and, um, you know, I'll go back to the, the years where if you needed information, you would have to go to the library. And I know Mobster, you have a lot of magazines and books where you're at, but now everything is digital. Everything's fast. So if I want to know something, I could say, you know, what was the first person to land on the moon? I can just, if I wanted to know that back then, I'd either have to ask someone who's very, very knowledgeable and hope that they gave me the right answer because they might not, or I'd have to go to the library and walk in there and look through the bibliography, ask the librarian, what sections, the space section, blah, 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 and go search for the book. Now you can just Google, just Google, you know, who's the first person to land on the moon? Boom. And um, you'd get the answer really quick. And you know who it is, by the way? On the moon, that, that landed on the moon and stepped onto the moon? Yes, yeah. Neil Armstrong. Okay, so there you go. So I'd go to Mo oh, yeah. someone like Mobster and, uh, uh, and I'd ask him, but what happens if Mobster gives me the wrong information? Maybe he's mistaken. You know, so then I'd have to still go to the library and make sure, you know, because it'd be in the book. So my point is nowadays you just Google it. Everything is instant now. So why would I want to wait and use a like, let's say I'm going to use a long ester, Enente, Sipene, Decane, any of these long esters and have to wait four or five weeks for this stuff to be peaking in my system when I can kickstart it and already be feeling it within a few days. You know, because when you take D-Ball, it's going to be peaking your system pretty damn quickly, you know? So that would be my argument, Mobster. Go ahead. Yeah, but then again, Steve, that's the feel. I can understand that there's going to be a, sm a small percentage of our listeners that once they've, once they've made the decision to go on cycle, they want to feel that, and I've used this analogy before, like, like going, becoming turbo, right? So... Uh, for example, I run stacks that are typically aimed for either increasing my body weight temporarily because it helps my strength or specifically my strength. Would I want to do a stack for argument's sake where I had to wait two or three weeks for my strength to slowly pick up and slowly start to increase above and beyond what would be the normal situation for me? Uh, probably not, no. So I kind of get that a little tiny bit. But again, it's that's, that's the argument, as I used already, of how I feel on cycle versus how I am. So, for example, we and, 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 and what Steve said is correct, and I'm even kind of agreeing with him in a way with my strength suggestion by saying I don't want to wait three weeks to suddenly get stronger, even if it's only a few percent. And by the middle of the cycle, 10, 15 percent. And by the end of the cycle, at least 10 or 15 percent. I want to be strong when I'm on cycle and I certainly want to be able to have that peak of strength at the end of the cycle that enables me to break a lift to, to, to a BP for me that I still want to do that 200 kilo 440 pound bench press so you know the next time I plan on going cycle should be around the time that my training gets me closer to that level but I certainly don't want to wait weeks 16 days 12 days or whatever else 
So I have to feel the effects. But what I, when I say feel, what I really mean is the sensation of being on testosterone, the, the quote-unquote alpha male sensation. And for some people, and I've used this analogy with Trent, where um, some people, and we know the names of the guys on the forums that are Trent fans, I, I, I said to you, it's, for some people, the side effects of Trent are horrendous. Trent sweats, Trent cough, Trent somnia, and so on. They, and literally, because I used Trent not that long ago, as you know, the quote-unquote feeling of being toxic, not quite right in yourself. Equally, the fans of Trent will say, that's because it's fucking amazing, it's working. I it, When I feel like that, I know I'm on trend. I know I'm going to get stronger. I know I'm going to have muscle and so on. So for them, the sensation of being on is very important. We've also addressed when we've talked about TRT, how if you're the low end of normal or below, obviously normal, and that's the reason why a doctor's prescribed you with TRT, the difference can almost be night and day. The sensation of being a low T guy to suddenly a high T guy, or for that matter, woman, is, is for some people, it's like night and day. They sort of, I'm sluggish. I'm not cracking it at work. The boss is giving me shit. I'm going through divorce. My life's kind of crap. And then I went on TRT. Oh, my God. I was in there demanding a pay rise. I was out there giving motivational speeches to the sales team. I was a politician on the stump. I, I felt amazing. I was marching. No one walking down the street was giving me shit. I was standing there with my chest out. For some of those people, but that's a small percentage. It, again, the end result should be the thing. Guys, but if you're, you're listening, yeah, yeah go on. Go so on. so I'll give you an example. When I first did you know, a steroid stack, I ran D-Bull, Sustanon, and Deca when I first stacked steroids. And believe me, within the first four days on that stack, I felt the change. Instead of doing six reps, I was able to do eight reps on the same amount of weight. So that was the D-Bull there. Because, you know, in four days, you're not going to feel much from, obviously, the DECA. The DECA is a really long estrogen. You're not going to feel the DECA for weeks, you know. And then the Sustanon, you have a little bit of a, of, of an effect from the Sustanon because that testosterone propionate that they have in there is going to hit your body. And then, of course, the D-Bowl hits your body within a couple of days really, really fast because it's got a short half-life. So if I was taking D-Bowl twice a day at 30 milligrams, or 20 milligrams in the morning, 10 milligrams at night, it's going to be in my system after just a couple of days because it has such a short half-life. It's going to be peaking. So that effect I was feeling after four days. But if I had not done the Sustanon or the Debo and just the DECA with testosterone sipinate or testosterone enanthate, I wouldn't have four days felt anything. It would have taken me like two, three weeks possibly to feel that effect, at least a week and a half, I would say, maybe two weeks to feel that effect. You see? So – why, you know, in this era, you come from a different era, mobster. You grew up with no internet. You grew up with, if you want information, you had to go to the library or you had to look encyclopedia. I used to have an encyclopedia growing up, yeah, you know, yeah. which cost a fortune. I mean, I feel guilty about, <laughs> you know, and my parents have the even now, back, back in the day, Steve, Encyclopedia Britannica, which was the encyclopedia, was the best part of 500 to 1,000 pounds. Now it, now it's like four or $5,000 minimum for a proper set, and that's not even the full set. Yeah. It's the, here's, here's the issue, right? And maybe it's because I'm from that generation. I'm a few years old, not a massive amount, but I'm a few years older than Steve. Steve is closer to our listeners' age than I am. So there's a big argument to be made, and I have actually addressed this with some of the guys at the gym, the younger guys especially, but even a few of the older guys. And I say, look, 
and I've and I've done this on the forums as well, Steve. I, I'm I'm when it comes to strength and for muscle size, and literally in my case, my sheer body weight, which I've mentioned on a bunch of body podcasts, I'll say I'm quite happy with what I call the longer journey. Okay, so what does that mean? Okay, so Steve's quite correct. I've got I've had an iPhone, I've got a desktop computer, I'm aware of the availability of information. So I'm living the same life as everybody else, but I maybe come to it with a slightly different slant. So what Steve's getting at is, why do I want to wait? I've made the decision to get big, strong, lean, whatever else. Why have I got to wait years for that to happen? Months for that to happen? Weeks if I'm using the Cipionate? Again, that comes down to choice, of course. So the argument then becomes, okay, guys, so you, if someone wakes up today, a listener wakes up today and says, that mobster's an ass. I'm going to get as big as mobster is and as strong as mobster is, and I'm going to show him how it can be done in half the time. I, I welcome I welcome that challenge. So, so the, the reality of this situation is the reason why I might be, and not every listener, of course, but I might be stronger than the majority of listeners is time. The reason why I'm bigger than most listeners is time and, of course, genetics. And the same thing applies to anything that I've managed to achieve in my history of lifting and competing and some certain so, subjects. So As an example, Steve is almost, I'm only ever so slightly ahead now, my equal on bench press. And he's a younger guy. And probably, probably when he hit his number was before I hit mine in terms of age and whatever else. So the argument then becomes in modern terms, we don't want to wait for anything. We want that big screen CV. We want that Disneyland holiday. And we don't want to wait two years to save up for it. I want it now. So I'll go out and get it on credit. Whereas I pointed out, again, so the guys, young guys at the gym, uh, benching 90 kilos, buddy does 125 kilos, comes and has a conversation with me. And I'm like, mate, you're doing really, really well. You'll probably be 125 kilos in three to six months, maybe a year. I said, you're actually going to be ahead of where I was at your point in life. And therefore, there's an argument to be made. If you keep plugging away and you love the sport as much as I do, at some point, you will end up stronger than I am. The issue, of course, is they don't want to wait until they're 50 fucking nine years of age, as, I have, as we do this podcast today, to be as strong as I am. They don't want to wait until they're 59 to get to that age. So here's the problem, okay? In terms of patience and PED use and whatever else, and we, we constantly hammer what we like to call sensible, responsible PED use. The way that some people get to be bigger, quicker, and we've actually, I've literally just seen a clip the other day, Steve, of a 20 year old with Larry Scott, and he was, so Larry Wills, and he was a fucking freak, and he's got to be using PEDs, is the risk factor. So, for example, you want to be big quick, you take more steroids, you eat more food, you train harder, your risk of injury is higher, your risk of, of, of side effects is higher, and so on and so forth. So that's the long-term versus the short-term thing. Another thing would be, for example, Steve, and we've seen this occasionally, and another reason why someone might want to use a Kickstarter is um, they want £20 on their first cycle, they want £15 on their first cycle, and you and I have hammered the point multiple times Five, six, seven pounds is amazing per cycle, especially when you first start. So, again, it comes down to choice. So, for example, pretty much everybody's first cycle, and certainly was for a very, very long time, it might have only changed in the last couple of years, 
pretty much everyone you ever asked when it comes to PED use have done DBO as a first cycle or something very, very similar, Supertrol or Pro-Hormone. And some of their best results came from the least amount of gear that they're ever going to take in their life of using PEDs, the least amount. So they didn't have to rush. They didn't have to do it all at once. They didn't have to put on 20 pounds. And you and I have addressed this. We said if you put on 20 pounds on a cycle, it's really difficult to hold that 20 pounds, and it's kind of uncomfortable. So that a lot of the time, when we hand out the advice about cycles and esters and whatever else, what we're really trying to do is give everybody what we call the long-term point of view. For example, it's a lot easier to be comfortable with seven pounds and accommodate it and get used to it versus 20. It's a lot less likely, a cycle that adds seven pounds versus 20 pounds is a lot less likely to include side effects and so on and so forth. I think the other thing, Steve, and it's even with the availability of information, which I completely appreciate, same as Steve does, never at this point in history ever, and I've said this a couple of times recently, we've never had access to information like we have right now. What it still is confusing. When you, Steve and I do this podcast, written articles, there's a bunch of articles on our forums. I mean, literally a hundred plus articles on the forum where stuff is explained 90 times out of 100, the information doesn't require updating because it's still solid information. It still works for the average listener and user, and yet people get confused, or they want it spelled out, or they want it right now. So there's a bigger – I mean, let me use another analogy, and this is something that I used recently, okay? So this is the difference between doing a sensible cycle and, say, a pro-level competition stack. You've got a car. The car does 100 miles an hour when you put your foot to the floor. The speed limit where I live in the United Kingdom on a motorway, on a freeway, as we call it in America, would be 70. In America, typically 55. Some places different, but average is 55. The car does 100 miles an hour. You win the lottery. You go out and buy a car that can do 200 miles an hour. You can still only do the speed limit, but when the police aren't looking and you find a nice, quiet stretch of road, you suddenly put your foot to the floor and you've never driven that car before at 200 and you've never driven at 200 in any other car now you're going twice as fast as your old car in a vehicle that you not really know anything that much about you haven't got used to its idiosyncrasies and you lack the experience of how to handle a car and the the, the, the reaction times of a car that's doing 200 miles an hour there's almost an analogy there Steve I would almost argue that if guys want everything right now that's a mistake Wanting to feel the results immediately kind of might even be a mistake. And you and I have talked about nature as well. So obviously what we're doing is not, I won't say it's with nature, but it's an exaggeration of nature. So there's always been big freaks, even in ancient times. But the reality was that most of the older fellas were shorter, the smaller, they were weaker and so on and so forth, with one or two heroes standing out to be different. And we talked about how adaptable human beings are. But like I said in another, uh, another podcast, if I was your fairy godmother, guys, and I literally waved a magic wand at you and you instantly put on 20 pounds, you'd feel uncomfortable for days, if not weeks, until your body got used to weighing an extra 20 pounds. So there's actually an argument for, as we've, we've kind of addressed before, Steve, slower and more consistent gains and even the sensation of, especially for your newer users who've not used PEDs, or not done an advanced cycle, 
you literally haven't had the chance to get used to how that feels. As an example, Steve, and I'll just use food. How many of our listeners, and including ourselves possibly when we were younger, struggled with the amount of food that we were required to eat just to gain anything like the gains that we kind of wanted? We know from seeing the forums how difficult it is that guys that are not eating breakfast, breakfast is a coffee, and so on and so forth. So listen, guys, it's super, super important. Think of the one thing I'll add now, and then I'll finish off, Steve, is literally what are your reasons? You need to be able to justify it to yourself medically, physically, sport-wise, or whatever. If you can justify it to yourself, that's a start. Please note, we are not doctors and opinions are ours. It is our view and based on our experience and views on the topic, a podcast of the informational purposes and entertainment only, the freedom of speech and the First Amendment applies.